Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an expert and informed look at the latter half of actor Nicolas Cage's filmography. On today's episode, we're watching the 2019 film Grand Isle. This is where our intro music should start. Right after you say that at the beginning of each episode, and then it's like this weird techno house thing. Oh shit! Yeah. Of like. I think I have that still. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to say that like as part of oh, the show, shit. but there actually is a theme song. Yeah. Did you forget? I oh, forgot. I, I think that you cue um, it up so perfectly each time. Thank you. Um, yeah, the the theme song um, probably used illegally. I don't know how long can you use a song before it, where it's where did fair you get use. It? So Cliff Martinez, um, who's a, uh, a a composer, he's great. We love Cliff. Big fan of him. It's from the movie. Uh, um, what is it called? God, God never forgives. It's the um, Nicholas Winding Refn Ryan Gosling film where he's in Thailand. He's he's like uh, in the mafia or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, uh, I would. And I, the listeners know this is this is like episode six, and almost every episode has that theme song in it. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah retroactively we're going to add the theme song i would worry that this intro is too inside baseball and too slow for air but i figure if you've listened to so many of these and yeah first of all welcome back and welcome back we love, guys we love you and we're we are in love with you and but if you are someone who's new and you're thinking this intro is too slow i don't know why you would pick grand isle to be your intro episode i'm sure it's more of a mandy or like well and i can sort of uh, i'll provide a little perspective of who the grand isle demographic is Derek. okay <laughs> Um, and what, what's going on in your life is, um, you maybe are a divorcee, your kids are off in college, um, or maybe they're, they're in a community college somewhere, they're waiting tables part-time, going to, taking a single class at a community college, and you are at home, and you are helping yourself to a bottle of wine, and you're browsing Amazon Prime, <laughs> seeing what are the new VOD options are, and you see Nicolas Cage looking very gruff, very oh, yeah. stern on the cover uh, of, of the Grand Isle poster, and you say, well, this is interesting, and you click in, get a little more, let's get into this plot summary, uh, you read a little bit about the movie, oh my goodness, and then all of a sudden, Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey Grammer is this? Fraser himself <laughs> and you're hooked at this point you see that 499 or 599 price tag for the 48 hour rental and you blow right past that it is of no consequence to you and you're hooked you watch the whole thing you enjoy it and you say I want to dive a little deeper now you start googling the mm-hmm. SEO brings us right to the top. We're the only people in the world who have also seen <laughs> this movie and covered it. We've released a podcast. And now, dear listener, you're here. You've arrived. Welcome to Contemporary Cage. Yeah. That's that's 
that's who's listening in. <laughs> it's been a long road, but uh, God bless you. God bless you. We're happy to have you on board, and we can promise uh, you're going to have a great time here in Derek and I's hands. Derek, how you doing, my friend? Oh, it's a ripping, roaring work week, but damn it all to hell, we're recording anyway, and I couldn't be happier. Yep. We're pushing through, um, plugging away. Nick's not stopping with the releases. We can't stop with the pods. No, um, that's how that's how we got to do it. Um, it's it's and like hey, we're happy to be doing it. He holds himself to such a standard. We got to do the same. Yeah, we can sort of um, build our routines out from the watching and recording of this movie, and we sort of have to mentally, uh, you know. Uh, still ourselves so that we are ready and, and can remain <laughs> remain of uh, sound heart and mind um, as we continue on in our uh, quest of the contemporary cages. And I will say, films. as the person who was on the couch flipping through Amazon Prime with a glass of wine, I was obligated to watch this movie, but if anybody out there has an Apple TV, I literally found this movie and just clicked one button on that touch remote and i yeah. had been charged 4.99 and the movie was beginning Whoa. like one button there's no like are you sure there Jeez. there's like um watch it now or watch it later i think but i think oh. you've already paid for it at that point uh wow, so crazy be careful out there and you know and maybe if i did get a message that said are you sure that you want to spend four ninety nine on Grand Isle when you have such little free time. You have <laughs> Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu with a with a grand assortment of you know pr- uh, premium entertainment at your fingertips that you pay for monthly. Maybe I maybe I wouldn't have. So maybe it's in the best <laughs> interest of the show <laughs> that it, it is was possible. So fast. That this one would have flown under Derek and I's radar if we were just two normal people living our lives. <laughs> Seeking out movies that we think we would be, uh, that we would have a good time watching. But <laughs> we might have missed this one. Hey, every time I look at the reviews and stuff of a paid <laughs> Nicolas Cage modern movie, there are tons and tons of reviews. So people it's are true, doing yeah. this. Non-ironically. He's a, he is a movie star in the yes. truest sense of the world. People, uh, that's all they need to know, and they're in. Is uh, Nikki's in this movie? Okay, I am in. I'm watching. Um, and Kelsey Grammer. I mean, that'll seal the deal. Uh, you got to think about get, Kelsey we, Grammer. <laughs> Kelsey will get you. Um, but before we talk any more yeah. about Grand Isle, we've had a lot yeah. of Grand Isle talk up top. Um, we gotta we gotta learn a little bit more about the Cage Man. Uh, it's time for a new segment. Whoa. Very similar. This is sort of another. I'm just sort of just like repackaging the same segment and giving it a different name. But uh, our new segment called Cage Coulda. Cage Coulda. Shoulda woulda. Cage Coulda. Perfect. We got that alliteration that we love so much. Um, Cage Coulda. What we're going to. Uh, this is something. And this could be a recurring segment. There's enough of these anecdotes out there online and in Nick Cage's history. Um, but Cage Coulda is going to be very, very similar to Cage Facts, where I'm going to give you three separate statements, and you have to determine which of them is false. Two of them are going to be true. One of them is going to be false. The specific spin for Cage Coulda, though, is these are all roles that Nick could have taken on and played. And he turned them down? So I'm going to give you... 
and he turned them down. So these are three separate movies that Cage could have played. So, uh, and more specifically, these are three characters that that Cage could have taken. Um, You get it, Derek? You understand on board? I get it. I think you're trying to throw me off because I've been doing so well at these games and... I gotta invent new games. I gotta, you know, I gotta tear you down. I gotta. Your win rate has been just phenomenal. I, I think you've maybe missed one out of no, the, like I, six I or think so. I've gotten them all. Are you a hundred? I think I'm a hundred. Oh my gosh! Still. I'm sorry. Oh, how dare I? God. Um, okay. Well, let's keep that perfect record going um, with this uh, episode of Cage Could. All right, hit me. <laughs> all right, number one, our first role that. Cage could have played Skeletor in the 2000s director John Woo was planning his own take on the world of Eternia Uh, Sex and the City star Jason Lewis was reportedly up for Prince Adam while Woo had discussed the role of Skeletor with Cage whom Woo had previously worked with on Face Off number one number two The Mask Nick was the first choice to play the lead role in 1994's The Mask, but passed on it uh, to pursue more serious roles. He has since said that he absolutely loved what Carrie did with the role. Okay, and number three, Shrek. Cage, (laughs) Cage was approached for the role, but turned it down. His reasoning being that he didn't think kids seeing the film would warm up to him in the role of an ogre. (laughs) It's not, it's not leading man enough for him. That was back during the shoe polish hair days. Yeah, well, Shrek was. Yeah, when did Shrek come out? Like two thousand one or something. And has such become an icon in the meme community. Not Mike oh, Myers yeah. though, just the 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 animation representation of Shrek. Yeah, there's those there's those like three D models that have been used so much of just like a mini Shrek. Yeah, yeah. just dancing around. <sighs> um, so those are your three: Derek Skeletor, The Mask, and Shrek. Well, it's taken my brain on a fun little. A fun little jaunt around the park. Right, you get to sort of be. picture him in each of these. Right. Um, so Skeletor makes a lot of sense because of his um, superhero uh, kind of background uh, mm-hmm. or interest, um, and that's very funny. Did that movie come out? That like was there? No, a, no. it was never made. Okay, Mm-mm. it was never made. So. That seems like something in his wheelhouse based off of his interest in the people he knows. Um, Let's see. Shrek. Now, that's interesting because... (sighs) Could you imagine what that would do for the Shrek meme at this point if Nick Cage was Shrek? Well, here's the thing, and I love Nick Cage. I very much believe in his star power. Would Shrek have been the phenomenon that it was had Nick taken the reins, or was that specifically a result of Mike Myers' performance? I think it's a result of uh, Eddie Murphy. It's, it's the writing, right? It's Eddie, oh, Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But it's also, that's a funny movie. It was like really well written and directed. Yeah, and it was kind of... I think that, that movie probably would have worked regardless of who's yeah. in there. But yeah, Donkey is like the, the standout performance. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, don't that's what get. that's a lot of the quotable. Yeah, but everybody says don't get <laughs> and like I, I don't think Nick Cage would have done Scottish. Um that's obviously one of Mike Myers' little uh Yeah, that's true. Numbers that he does. Um his favorite little thing. Oh yeah, what 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 do you think a Nick Cage Shrek would have sounded like? I don't know, but I would love to hear him like screaming about getting out of his swamp. Yeah. I mean, that's Port of Call. Bad Lieutenant right there. New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and honestly, his he him saying his reason being that he didn't think kids seeing the film would warm up to him in the role of an ogre. Yeah, I don't know if Nick could have done a lovable you know, curmudgeon ogre. I don't well, know. I don't think it's so much as him being self-aware of not being the right person to play the ogre. I think it's more the fact that he doesn't want to be a nasty ogre. You know, he wants to be like the sex symbol and the sensitive genius. Um, um, but I mean, he's done, He's he has done, some of his early performances are definitely like self-effacing and like, you know, adaptation, true. which was around the same time. He plays like, but we have talked about he he plays the dual role in adaptation. One guy who's like kind of charismatic and handsome, and then one guy who's sort of a schlubby mess. Right. But um, yeah, okay. What what, what do you you want to work through the mask or Skeletor? Well, this is tough. Uh, my initial thinking was the mask because how could anybody be the first choice over Jim Carrey for that role? Mm. Like they called Jim Carrey like rubber face with his stand-up like he could change his face and his physical performance and acting was just crazy and i don't know if that's like right before or right during when he was like the hottest actor in hollywood for a little while like in the mid late 90s i'll give you a little hint uh came out the same year as the first ace ventura pet detective so very much at the start of his career. right at the start Um, so it's possible because Nick Cage had already kind of been around the block with Mm -hmm. a few roles, um, started in the like eighties, late eighties. And you know, the mask is pretty manic. Um, and it does have kind of like a twinge of like seedy, dark greasiness to it near the end, you know, that he could kind of fit into, um, the Mask is a weird movie. The Mask is a weird movie. I'm sure there's really a ton strange. of Jim Carrey podcasts that we could maybe do a little, a fun little crop. Is there a movie that Jim Carrey and Nick Cage are in at the same time ever? Oh. Probably not. Hmm, That's probably not. too much personality. So. Um, okay, I'm getting beyond the point. I mean, I'm really lost on this one, Dave. I'm really lost. Ooh. This is a tough one because it's three th- Things that never happened, but two of them might have might happened. Have happened. <laughs> so that is a difficult position to be in. So I'm really decide, trying to figure out, was Nick Cage the first choice for the mask? Because that either did or didn't happen. Uh, was he planned to be Skeletor? <laughs> and um, I'm looking at a still from grand aisle that's on my computer right now and nick cage is looking at me so intensely like if i get this if wrong you get this wrong <laughs> um and then um what's the third one the mask skeletor skeletor the mask and shrek fucking shrek and then shrek was also cage was approached for the role but turned it down approached for the role was he offered any of these roles or, or? 
Yeah, all, well, all all three in the the only one that's sort of an exception was uh, the Skeletor because He Man never like took off. I think the Shrek thing. I think that's true. That seems like the most misguided casting to me, though. Like Shrek. Yeah, the mask and Skeletor makes sense. Shrek doesn't, but for some reason, I feel like it's true. I mean, they obviously were a little aimless if. Like Mike Myers did a great job and everything. It's just like I don't know. Uh, although he did some kids. Okay, so ha. ooh, you're busting my brain ooh. apart. <laughs> um, Derek's got steam coming out his ears. Uh, working overtime. So okay, I could see. Uh, I'm gonna really kick myself if the mask is the fake one. Because it just makes too much sense that he would that he would be a good choice for that, you know. But <laughs> I wonder maybe that's why you made it up because it fits so well. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna say Skeletor's true, and uh. Oh man, <laughs> this is the the most that you. This is the most difficult one you've ever had, I believe. This is the most stumped you've ever been. I think I'm gonna think. lock in that Skeletor is true. I feel like it's gotta be either the okay, mask or Shrek. So we have one lock. That's Skeletor. Us a, a uh, He-Man movie made by John Woo. You know what? <sighs> what did John Woo do? John Woo, so he did Face Off with Nick. Oh, that was his right. experience with, with Nick. But he's he also did, what was it, Hard Boiled? Did, uh, yeah. number of different movies. A lot of, he had Bullet Time and Doves. That was sort of his classic little visual. Um, I'm going to say, oh my God, I hate this. I'm living in this reality (laughs) where I don't know. We're going to spend the rest of the episode uh, wondering if uh, Nick was going to do the mask or Shrek. (laughs) So Shrek is such a crazy one because of the meme culture that eventually surrounded Nick Cage and Shrek. So it's almost like they're destined, you know. So Two boats in the night. Exactly. (laughs) It would have been the biggest meme in the world. Just so synced up ah i'm gonna say i'm gonna (laughs) derek has a pen out right now i don't know i imagine that just the drywall behind his computer he's moved everything off of his desk he's connecting red yarn it's like like the pepe sylvia scene sunny right now the charlie day meme i'm gonna say this just because i will kick myself so hard if i don't and i get it wrong good gut i'm gonna say the mask is the fake one, even though it totally makes sense to me that they would okay. go for Cage in that role. Are we locked, Carrie. Derek? Uh, but I'm, you got to lock it. I'm going to lock it. I'm going I'm to say that he was not the first pick for the mask. All right. So Derek believes that Nicolas Cage was approached to uh, act in, as both Skeletor and Shrek. I'd be surprised. Not the mask. I'd be surprised if Shrek. Derek I mean, Smith, Skeletor. What? Is correct. Oh yeah, baby! Wow. 
Very good. 100. I did spend like a good deal of time when I was thinking about this because at first I was like, "Eh, I could do like whatever. And then I was like, no, like take a second, really consider. And I I put so much thought into the mask because I'm like, at that point in his career, it was like a few years before he made uh, like leaving Las Vegas. He was doing more serious stuff. It was a few years before he like worked with Martin Scorsese. He was like making that Oscar push. It was almost too believable, Dave. And, yeah, and with well, Cage, and like, you gotta expect the unexpected. It's yeah, it's, that's true. Yeah, well, I'm I'm proud of you. You did great. Hey, I'm proud um, of you. You almost k- killed me. And like, oh, I I'm so glad. If I would have not, yeah. oh, I would have been so mad. <laughs> just stayed quiet for the rest of the episode. <laughs> just stewing. I don't want to talk about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, I couldn't get over the very real thing of him saying. His reason that he didn't want to be Shrek was he didn't yeah. think kids would warm up to him in the role of an ogre. Because it feels very much to me like he's like, well, what m- would my ogre look like? And he's like, kids aren't going to like my ogre. See, this you is know? exactly why I felt like Shrek over put it over for me. Because, like, what does any of that mean? Like, that's such a cage <laughs> right, thing to say. <laughs> that's, like, way too coherent to be something that I wrote to try to trick you. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, yeah, the mask was just like, it was almost like a beautiful, perfect package delivered to me in like, (laughs) it's believe like, you're right. You did do a lot of research because that was a really made a lot of sense. And you almost tricked me by saying you gave me a hint about how Carrie had a true hint, but okay. A true, a hint is helpful. He he was, uh, he was in the mask and uh, Ace Ventura was the same year. Can you imagine what a big year for Jim Carrey. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, he was like the one biggest of those years in in movie where it's like uh, Steven Spielberg who did Jurassic Park and Schindler's List the same year. Yeah, and it's like what? How the fuck? They were that's crazy. They were shooting um, There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men on the same lot in the same time. Like that's why both of those yeah. casts were like mingling with each other Oof. in the same place. Isn't that like that's just crazy? To also, think like about. very similar sort of like nihilistic like late capitalist yeah i guess it's not like late capitalism but both are definitely have like critiques of america definitely nihilist really severe ways yeah um but yeah good way to go derek thank you Uh, this is the perfect season taking up all the time that we have we have to end that episode right away (laughs) well luckily Uh, sorry i'm hitting my mic hopefully that isn't i think this Movie discussion might be a little shorter, but uh, we'll yes. see. Yes, not a lot of meat on this bone. And uh, the bone I'm talking about, of <laughs> course, is Grand Isle, uh, 2019 film directed by Stephen S. Campanelli. Uh, the description of the movie, a young father is charged for murder and must prove his innocence through recalling a very twisted and dark night of events. The movie starring Nicolas Cage Katie Strickland, Luke uh, Buard, and Kelsey Grammer. The movie feels very much like sort of a erotic thriller of a bygone era, like very much like a 90s or 80s movie where it's like, who's this really for now? We've already described who it's for. It's for that divorced um, person having some wine uh, <laughs> and browsing Amazon <laughs> VOD. Um, but yeah, a strange movie. So Nicholas 
and uh, Katie William or Katie Strickland rather um, play a couple mysterious couple in this beautiful house in uh, New Orleans in Louisiana or just outside of New Orleans I believe um, and uh, Luke Beward who is the um, young father who's super desperate sort of a ne'er-do-well wayward has a sick child um, goes to their house because he's needs to repair a fence and you sort of get immediately from Nick's performance uh something's something's a little off with this guy and derek i think a good place to start with this movie now that we've given a little bit of context for what the plot is is getting into one of our all-time favorite topics let's talk about how nikki's looking here okay so first and foremost just the appearance the kind of wardrobe and all that so yeah uh words that come to mind um disheveled Disheveled, yep. Washed up, strung out. Sleazy. Sleazy. Long, greasy hair. Uh, he's got a handlebar mustache. and then It's sort kind of, of like, like a... Like non- an alcoholic's stubble. Yeah, where it's, it's like, like a, sort of grown in around the handlebar. Like he had a goatee at one point, but he just doesn't yes. take care of it. So it's just like half a beard and then a goatee. Yeah. Um, it like I will say like the the makeup on this like the makeup and costume design on this movie I'm like oh okay Nick looks like a person in the world he doesn't look like Nicolas Cage yes. in a movie yes. in the year 2020 he looks like a person in the world that's a good point <laughs> uh, because it can really like nice. color out of space and shit like there, there's parts where it's just like <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever yeah he, yeah he's definitely got like some like wife beaters and striped button-up shirts that have been neglected and yeah i mm-hmm. I, I like that note for sure although yeah. i think the cover of the dvd or whatever like the movie poster shows him as he is represented in the very last 10 minutes of the movie where he's like totally clean cut and looks just like the cage we know because he's in his like military outfit which is a really strange choice i had a theory about this and Derek so there's a sort of a little denouement at the end of this movie that like wraps it up really really quickly and is like feels very much tacked on uh but it kind of felt to me and this is me sort of maybe like reading into the fact that sometimes the movies that Nick is working on might not have the most expansive budget it seems like they might have ran out of money or shooting time and then we're like uh, we need you back for like a few days because he comes back. He's fully clean shaven. He looks very, very different. And there's not really like, I mean, there, there's some, there is, there, there's a, there's a lot to get into there. But I, I think before we get into that, we have to talk. Nick's character is a Vietnam vet. The movie's set in 1988, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the look, long hair, handlebar mm-hmm. mustache. I think very much like appropriate to the time period. Um, they definitely try to Nick's character is a, a a dick. He's a bad guy. He's immediately very very antagonistic to this guy who comes to um uh build his fence. I will say I I I was impressed by his performance like a good bit. I think it's a good Nick performance. Yeah. Uh, in this movie. Yeah, Dave. Yeah. I feel like your tone has been a little a little bit negative and if <laughs> if you're you, about to celebrate this. If you want to like have a slumber party nick cage movie this is a yeah. really good one for that like he has a I lot agree. of fun moments he doesn't go completely over the top and 
it does kind of stay within the world of the movie. Like sometimes it feels like when Cage goes crazy, it's like it's its own little short film within the scene, mm-hmm. you know. But in this, he has a lot of fun vocalization and they let him off the leash a little bit but it all kind of like uh, there's some good stuff like it's cage doing his cage thing it's not a it's a lot of the movie it really is an interesting one um because like i'm looking at the reviews and it's just like almost across the board just as many five stars as four stars as three stars as two stars and then a lot of one stars um very divisive interesting but uh i think the biggest biggest fall flat of all of it is is a kind of touched upon by what you were saying where it almost feels like they ran out of money or something was changed yeah. because it has such a, a strange cardboard cutout ending that just doesn't match the movie at all it's weird the ending is wild so there's we meet we meet Nick. Let's let's go. We'll get to the ending because yeah, it's something yeah. that's sort of it, foreshadowed throughout the movie. The and ending, then the payoff is like you kind of have to build up. The to ending it kind of defines everything that's negative about the movie because the first two thirds of it, while it was predictable, I was very much on board, especially as just a movie to have yeah. fun with. Simple, watchable movie. So you immediately understand um, Nick is his character is very, very antagonistic to this like young hunk who's come to repair uh, the fence. You realize that Nick's wife, who's played by Katie uh, Strickland, her name's fancy. Nick's name is Walter. Um, They have a, a pretty toxic relationship. Uh, Like he, Nick is like sleeping in a chair with sunglasses on and, um, and Fancy comes into the room, like singing to him in, in negligee. This is it's their anniversary. We learn, and he's asleep. She takes his sunglasses off and slaps him in the face, and uh, basically like levies all of these complaints about how you know he doesn't do anything. He's an alcoholic. He's you know doesn't get anything done. So you have that sort of toxic dynamic uh, established between them, and then you immediately understand that like oh she is very much sort of this like lustful housewife caricature who then sets her eyes on the, well, okay. the young man who's repairing let me paint, the, the fence. Let me paint you a picture in that the very first thing we learn about this young hunky man, and I mean hunky, like he's got the Disney Channel original movie bangs and like a rocket yeah, bod, hunk. and he's like in his early 20s, you know, manual labor guy, southern gentleman. He's talking mm-hmm. to his young wife who they've known each other since they were in like sixth grade. And the very first thing we kind of oh, yeah. learn about him is, important. is that they haven't really been intimate because they just had a baby and he's kind of, it's kind of a point of contention. He wants to be intimate with her, but she doesn't feel sexy. And so he's kind of like bubbling and he's going to do some, this guy wants to fuck. Yeah. And he's going to go do some manual labor. And at the same time, we meet this other woman who's older, who isn't being satisfied sexually and is mm-hmm. very like, uh, like, seductive and then now there's this hot young man working on her fence while she's in the kitchen watching him you know i wonder where this goes you know kind of thing. right yeah and there's very much like you understand the dynamic that's going to exist where you have this volatile uh husband who's who's angry but like not satisfying his wife and and there's very much like a weird but also like 
he he seems sort of like maybe into the fact that his wife is into the boy. There's like this weird cuckold energy yeah. Yeah. in the film, like very, very, very horny movie. Um, it is a very horny like, movie. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. But I, I'll go back to that that first scene where Nick is like testing the guy, where they're. Uh, essentially having a negotiation about how much the the fence is going to cost. There's a storm coming in, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, I want this done. Nick says he wants the fence done today. The, the kid is like, I don't know if I could do that. There's a storm coming in. He's like, if you can do it today, I'll pay you like this exorbitant fee. Uh, the kid eventually agrees. Long story short, he ends up getting stuck in the house while uh, the storm hits, and uh, things things get a little crazy yeah if you're if you've ever seen the dinner party uh episode of the office uh it very much starts touching on that vibe (laughs) where they're just openly like being like vicious to each other over the dinner table and then moments of just them conceding and like talking directly to this young man lots of like uh like her foot riding up the inside of his thigh while Nick Cage right, is like staring him table. down. Um, there's a great, great, great moment where she goes to get a drink and Nick Cage asks the young man when the last time he had oral sex was, but uh-huh. uh, he gets to really deliver it in a really fun Nick Cage way that is yeah. worth a lot of chuckles. And all this stuff is good. I'm loving It's just like kind of a circus in there really really good performance from nick um and essentially like i mean i'm honestly a little confused about like what is there's some stuff in the movie some of the plot points are like a little incomprehensible because you get to the end of the movie and you kind of feel like oh were they was this couple in cahoots the whole time were they like were they sort of like attempting to manipulate and play four-dimensional chess um, with all of their toxicity towards e- e- each other? And like that was all a game as well. But then also it f- felt very real and like it's sort of... I, There's definitely I, I think some scream moments where you're like expecting this huge kind of twist and they kind of mm-hmm. give it to you in some ways. But let me, t- let me tell you exactly what the problem is here, David. There are two movies going on at the same time one of them has much more development and has much more right to be the focus of the movie and the other one is half done so they can be pretty much represented by the two characters in the house nick cage has his own movie that has Mm -hmm. something to say about abandoning the military like the people who served it has right some country turning its back on veterans yeah is like a big theme in the movie they both both nick and the young man were both veterans uh nick cage's group was in vietnam they were called the gunslingers and uh he's very proud of that but like yeah nick very much get one of my, i think my favorite moment uh from, from like nick's performance and i'll, I'll let you get right back mm-hmm, to your mm-hmm. point Go was ahead. like he he's making the argument essentially that like you know, it, it's very much the trope that is, exists in like Rambo and lots of these like anti-war movies that started coming out post-Vietnam of like we got sent away to protect the financial interest and then we returned to a country that like had had abandoned us and didn't care about us and like the VA was broken, civilians didn't like us. Um, 
it, but it, it's just, it's like not doing anything new. His his performance, and I feel like that was a great example of like, oh, he's doing more uh, than the material is doing. Like, I, I really like a good. You can tell that he's hurting. You can tell that he like it, it, the um, the young man is also a veteran. And he's trying to find like a bit of kinship there, and it's all it's like a very authentic like touching performance. But then, yeah, you you have the wife's. Uh, stuff going on as well and she is she is more of this like it's almost like there's like a magical element her, you yeah, see these her, voodoo dolls her all arc over the house is a different genre somehow yeah. her character's arc and the scenes that at which that like get to her plot points and her intrigue and her motivations are Shots and scenes and ideas from a different movie with a different genre that didn't get fully made. And like Nick's scenes and his arc, they wrap it up with a very big ending for him. Yeah. But her arc has a lot more to do with the structure of the plot. And it's really dissonant with anything that's going on. There's some strange misdirection with her being like a voodoo queen witch that which doesn't amount to anything it's nothing it's literally misdirection but you're constantly seeing voodoo dolls on mantles and everything and they're the camera like lingers on them and to make you think and there's also you're introduced uh pretty early on he he comes inside uh the young man comes inside and you see a locked basement door with just like deadbolts all over it and this is this is probably within the first half hour of the movie that you see. It that. really sets it up as a big set piece, and it like even yes. so like predictably like slowly zooms in on her as she kind of says, you know, like we don't go down there, just like so on the nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is clearly something important, and it is oh, yeah. in terms of the plot of the movie, but Definitely. it's so dissonant with anything else that's going on and i've also noticed that like there are points in this movie where they're trying to build tension and the only real tension is like nick cage's character coming after uh the young guy uh Mm -hmm. after he escapes and like is is nick cage around every corner you know but these tense moments are so broken because it looks like they're using B-roll of a different movie, like a campy yeah. horror movie with like weird dolls and stuff. And it's almost mm-hmm. like they shot that movie and kind of scrapped it in a way and used the shots that they were using for that kind of movie and shoehorned it into scenes to create tension for a different like arc. And it's it's so strange. It it, it it's like half of a movie stitched together and they kind of just went all in on the nick side like fancy's character ends up just kind of like at the point of the movie where you need a true resolution where they kind of shoehorned in nick cage's um shootout which we can go into at that point in the movie fancy's just gone it's it almost feels like right they didn't have the actor for as long as they needed her or something like it's well that was my theory based on what nick looks like in that scene so he fully has cut his hair he's clean shaven at this point uh and and there's no narrative purpose for that he's in his uh like army i forget the the formal wear Mm -hmm. essentially and he's got his medals on 
Um, so I guess you could make an argument of like he's like, ah, I'm, you know, going out with honor. This is a, mm-hmm. this is the end of the movie. Essentially, he he pledges to go after this kid um, after he ends up escaping this like horrific night that he spends with uh, Nick Cage and his wife. Um, they're both trying to like she's trying to induct her whole thing is oh my god there's so there's there is a lot to talk about here it's crazy because the movie doesn't feel that meaty but there's there's so many ideas that end up not like sort of dead ending but that you still need to touch upon even though you like see it for a second and you kind of don't need to think about it again because the half done movie is the movie in which the plot is all about Right. Yeah. So her whole thing is that she's talking all the time. She learns that he has a little girl at home and she says, oh, I've always wanted a big family. We've always wanted a big, Mm -hmm. big family. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so you you hear that and you know that there's this basement and you know that she's sort of like lusting after this young man. Um, And so that that is like an important thing. but but like Nick pledges to like get revenge. They have like such different motivations that but they also like pretend that Nick and his wife have are like on the same page and it's so so strange. But anyway, that the final scene with Nick, he comes after uh, this guy who's just like sitting glum in a diner. Uh, his wife has left him at this point because he ends up sleeping with the wife, Nick Cage's wife, and she hears about that, and she leaves him because of it. So it's like s- six months later or something like that. So it's like, oh, okay, maybe he shaves his hair, he cuts his or shaves his beard, cuts his hair within that time. Uh, he's sitting at a diner, a gunshot goes off. Nick's in the parking lot. He's got the ba- the baby in a in a carrying case. He's got the wife with a gun and he's he's looking very very different than he's looked throughout the rest of that movie um he sort of like shoots at the guy's feet when he tries to come over like a the classic cowboy mm-hmm. make him dance thing which is is funny but it's just like and then he gives one last final push he he pushes again this is a different movie this is him in rambo he pushes again the country doesn't care about me i you know and it's like oh okay i guess that's what we're doing even though that's not at all what this movie really feels like but i guess it's like giving you something to latch on to nick and like give a decent performance but he ends up like uh having like it's suicide by cop essentially like he sort of like flares his guns but doesn't actually fire anything and he gets lit up by police officers and that's the end of him yeah he Um, he's failed fancy because fancy goes to jail and right um so the whole point like the whole movie is being told by the young hunky kid in kelsey Grammer's interrogation room because uh the hunky kid wakes up with a dead body in his car and they think Uh, he did it. So this is what I'm saying is this is the whole plot of the movie is Fancy's weird storyline about the fact that she's always wanted kids and it, it never alludes to any of this visually, but in the basement there are tons of teenagers and young men and women that she keeps alive with IV and forces them to have sex so that she can get a baby out of them yeah. and it's not really explained a tv nope. in one scene has a throwaway line about how teenagers have been going missing which isn't foreshadowed or talked about at all and then right and then in the the introduction to her her to her character fancy's character two girl scouts come to yeah. her door and she like really looks at one of them and says uh, like you're like, so beautiful her. 
you're so beautiful. And it's Which, like, oh, okay, so she's a little strange. Creepy the optics kids, of that scene is weird, too, because there's a little black girl and a little white girl, and Fancy just, like, talks to the black girl, and then she looks at the white girl, and it's, like, slow yeah. motion, caresses her face, and says, you're so beautiful. Okay, <laughs> uh, I want to finish, finish. Uh, so, did you have, yeah. The only last thing is, like, so the whole point of the movie is that he's being pinned for a murder, yes. But it's it's really fancy who killed this young man by keeping him barely alive so that he could have babies. And mm-hmm. near the end of the movie, after Nick Cage's big actual like fanfare scene where they actually put production and showed his arc completed visually, there's like literally newspaper clippings that are just like right. shown to the in camera, a, in a, a, like a, a local radio, like a voiceover. It's just like well. just like saying. The local teenagers have been found. It was this woman, and she's going to jail. And it's like, you don't show any of her stuff visually. Like, you don't no. see the space underneath the basement, even though the cops raid it. You don't yes. see, like, it, none of it. You see it. them reacting to it yeah. at one point. Like, the cop reacts to it. But, yeah, you you have this, like, expectation of, like, okay, they're, they're, they have a warrant. They're in the house, the police officer's house. Uh, they're about to discover this. We're about to figure out what was going on down there. And you just don't see it. They don't show it. And the editing is so weird. Like the tension building in that scene, it's like they ran out of footage or something. There's just like such a miss with this like rising tension as they go through the basement. It's almost as if that whole basement scene was going to be something else. It's so weird because the things that bring us from point to point and affect the people's lives are all about fancy and her subplot which is revealed in these scenes that feel like a campy horror movie that like yeah truly i I think would have been better if they followed that through line like the movie Uh is fun and crazy and wacky sometimes and kind of dark and really sexy and like sex and horror and like like all that wacky dark mayhem makes more sense to me as a movie to like from beginning to end but then it like doubles down on nick cage's like noble yeah tortured tortured veteran soul yeah Yeah, exactly and it's really strange like honestly the first 60 70 maybe almost up to 75 percent of that movie it feels like it knows what it's doing and you're on the ride and you're having fun and then it just completely makes no sense in how it starts resolving these characters arcs like and there's like a a little bit of effort spent i I, like trying to understand nick's motivations like i he eventually tries to hire um the the kid to kill his wife Mm -hmm. and he says he's like i want you to kill her because she has like a a terminal blood condition and blood cancer and th- uh, offers the kid $20,000. It's established up front. The kid is in desperate need of money. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, he, he might accept this. But going back, so I guess what he was trying to do is Nick was really upset with his wife's condition and the fact that she was doing this thing that he found maybe repulsive. But it just doesn't work with how he's characterized at all throughout that movie. He You don't get the sense that he's worried about her or that he is maybe you know loves this person but isn't obviously isn't going to like have sex with her on her anniversary after knowing the atrocities that she's committing yeah it seems like their spine is 
very much that they are always and forever committed to each other and that they love each other. Right. Like they're loyal to, to each other, even though Nick is like a, a destroyed man and she is like kind of crazy abducting teenagers and keeping them. I still don't understand how like keeping teenagers on IV and forcing them to have sex. That doesn't really, I don't understand the logistics of this at all. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. I will say one last thing. You made the interesting point about how she like uh, there is like a weird beat of her like being visibly disinterested in this little black girl and then interested in those white girl. And I, I, I don't think there's an actual read here, but there's also a moment where she's the kid approaches her after saying, OK, I'm going to kill her um, and accepts the money from from Nick. And she's sitting in a bath and she's singing um, Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit, and then talks about how the song has a lynching metaphor and how it was it was not play it was censored at first and it's just for what reason like she spends like it, it, it doesn't fit thematically at all from what i could tell but it, it's it's this weird thing and outside of that little girl there's not another black person in the movie the outside of the movie being set in louisiana there's no it's just so strange and it it, it feels like this is a movie that uh, there were like ideas that never like came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And then maybe there's like some weird specifics of like uh, a director or a writer who's like, uh, well, I like this, but they don't explore it or like reconcile with whether or not it fits into the larger like theme and like tone of the movie that just that it seems like there's just mistakes there made or that they were trying to do too much and they ended up with this weird like Frankenstein of a movie Mm -hmm. that has some really really interesting stuff and it makes sense to me I know Nick is a big improviser I wonder if his character arc was maybe fully his own invention maybe. like the fact it that came of him doing in the like a room. rambo speech like that feels like he's like ah oh, maybe there's not enough for me to do here and like or he or he maybe was like you're a veteran that's the one thing he was given and maybe it doesn't like manifest in the way that it does ultimately if he doesn't like really really like settle into the fact that he's a veteran cuz it it that plays it could be that shouldn't be in there. The fact that he is like a tortured person who has these really, really um, like sort of like tropey beliefs about and not it's true. The fact that like, you know, our country will send young kids to protect the final financial interest of like the our country's elite. Um, that that is like true, but it's also something that has been so, so explored in movies and, and has been like a thematic thing in anti-war movies since like, you know, since post Vietnam. So it's and it also just doesn't serve anything in this movie outside of sort of giving some grounding to Nick's character. So it's just like what? Um, I don't know. It I think it's like uh, there was definitely some problems like whatever those were. I don't know. Like. There's definitely some talent on the movie. There's definitely yeah. like stuff that if it were to be uh, like, I don't know how to say this. Like, it's not like, oh, they didn't handle this correctly or something like, oh, I would have made it better. It's it literally feels like things were handled well, but like the you just have like a giant like a table with a bunch of different pieces, like a bunch of different Legos, you know? And like some parts are just not, like you don't have enough pieces. 
It, that's what it it's feels like. like. The, yeah, it, it it feels like maybe they ran out of time that yeah. they they didn't have enough time to shoot everything that they wanted to do, and they maybe wanted to have more money to build a set that was the basement and mm-hmm. hire you know a- actors to play the family that this um, this wo- mentally ill woman had created for herself, but they just didn't have the money. And then the tacked on scene. Her her resolution when they sort of just the slow shot of the empty house and like uh, you know panning over the door um, to the basement that all and with the voiceover explaining what she was actually doing and that that and it's so weird to hear a twist after the point where the twist should have been revealed mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay that's what she was doing and then the credits roll yeah it, it's so so strange but then also the way that they resolve Nick's character. Uh, it, all of it feels like sort of this panicked, like, oh, we don't have enough time. Like, let's try to fucking finish this off. Like, and then just like this messy sort of end on something that was like, oh, this was like totally cool and interesting. And Nick was doing good work and like, it looks good. And yeah, everyone was, all, all three of the core actors were doing fine. You know, they were fine. Yeah. I, I especially like Nick though. He was, I think he was really good. I think you, this. I think you have a right. It's like, Principal photography finished, and uh, maybe things came together in the cutting room that didn't necessarily they didn't think was going to come together in a certain way, or maybe yeah. they're realizing that it wasn't like um, they weren't able to map point A to point B as well as they should have, or something. But then it definitely seems like there's a good amount of scenes that were pickups that yeah. they didn't have enough money. To, to be ambitious with. They don't have the luxury of like huge studios that can just do pickups after pickups after pickups and keep like getting everybody paid because they know like, you know, fucking Spider-Man or whatever is going to make it all back. So like they, they figured out what they had and then had to say, well, we have like barely any money. What is the least amount of shooting we can do to still make this thing work and be like you can still follow it from beginning to end? And like I think a big part of that would be like the hospital scene at the end where it's just it's the young man having survived this whole thing and his wife is there Mm. and there's no like development of why she's forgiving him or anything. She just kind of smiles at him and says, I guess we got a lot to work on, don't we? And it's just like, it's just, that's a nothing. Yeah, exactly. Like we just have to end it. We need something. Um, And Derek, we also just have to end it. That I think that'll do it for our. If um, if it's if it seems really hard to follow what we've been saying, we probably (laughs) said stuff like the kid or the woman or something too much because this movie is such a a chaotic mess in that way. Like it's it it, it's so weird because you wouldn't think it like no even the first half of the movie three people in a house that's (laughs) like the whole movie yeah see and it's like not a lot i mean i guess a a lot does happen a lot there is a lot of weird stuff and a lot of sort of like conflicting stuff um but yeah uh and be careful like don't watch this with your parents like when we say sexy like this movie gets freaking sexy dude like uh guys this movie is horny as hell it is there's like parts where i was like jesus like this is this is getting smutty, man. Um, yeah. But uh, also, don't like seeing. Okay, let's go into our reviews. I'll touch on this. Okay, uh, okay. Our reviews, um, final thoughts. Uh, great performance from Cage. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed Cage. Every second of him. He yeah. he was not uh, from his costume design to his makeup to his look to like the the 
I, I just wish that he like uh, was a little more of a cohesive piece into the movie because yeah. I think that this could have been a really really fun movie. Or I think it is a it, it's it a is pretty a fun, fun movie. movie. Yeah, it is fun. Um, it, it's a good sort of Nick showcase uh, that is like kind of wacky and will make you scratch your head at certain moments. Um, don't like seeing Nick as a cuckold. This man, <laughs> this man is uh, he's the real deal. Uh, and it is funny though, because we sort of we were clowning on him for this sort of thing earlier, and it is good to, you know, it's um, maybe that's one of the reasons why they developed the fact that he is sort of like a distraught veteran, um, because he's like, well, I can't just be like a cuckold, <laughs> um, but but anyway, yeah, uh, fun tone, spooky. But yeah, it ends up being this weird sort of like amalgamation of a, duf- a couple different e- types of movies. You kind of have her who is in sort of maybe a supernatural horror movie and then Nick who is in uh, a more sort of like introspective thriller. Um, and Kelsey Grammer who does a great job in a crime. Who does a great... It's basically a true detective or something on his well, end Well, he's of sort of doing... Have you seen Knives Out yet? No, it's on my list. Okay, so Daniel Craig does a... Um, Sort of like a classic Kentucky accent. Uh, yeah, like, accent like and, just uh, like slow molasses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Kelsey Gerber is very much doing that same <laughs> accent. And it, it, I was sort of like, oh, we get like two <laughs> like <laughs> Kentucky detectives. And he's in like sort of like a seersucker summer suit. Um, but yeah, uh, my, my rating for this movie. I'm going to give it a good bad. This is a classic good bad. It is, uh, you have some like legitimately good elements in Nick's um, performance um, in some of the, in some of the um, cinematography, like the movie looks okay. Um, And, uh, but it is still kind of an incoherent mess. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is a classic good bad for me, Derek. Yeah. So I honestly like, if anybody's able to follow that freaking mess that we just like unpacked, like it's, it's crazy because it doesn't seem that crazy. And well, no, as yeah, much we of started a mess. this conversation with like, uh, not a lot of meat on the spoons. And then we were immediately like, Oh my God. Oh, like just trying to like contain this. this thing. Yeah. It like ridiculous. exactly. It's bursting at the seams with like many yeah. different things, but like, I I totally agree 100%. It's a, it's a it's a classic good bad. Sometimes like a good bad is something where I uh like the movie, but I don't want to give it a good good cuz it feels like I'm like saying it's it's like better than it is or something, but I think good bad the metric how we use it was invented for something where the performances are good. There's good production value. There's fun moments. It's if you don't take it seriously or think about it too much, just who cares? The ending's weird and feels a little shoehorned. Uh, but it's a bad fucking movie. Bad storytelling. Really, it had some problems. It had some problems with production. Some of the scenes, like on a technical standpoint, the audio is mixed really weird. Like the sound effects are way louder than the dialogue and they sound kind of cloudy. It's almost like they switched their audio team or audio equipment like from one part of production to another. Uh, and then beyond that, it extends to parts of the movie not being realized and almost like uh, like leftovers in the fridge. You like you'd never think to eat, you know, leftover turkey with like uh, something like um, 
like a sweet and sour chicken or something, but that's what's in the fridge, so you microwave it up and, and it feed and, it, and you, you eat it and it's fine. But like it's weird that it's both on the same plate and there's only like two little nuggets of orange chicken with like some Thanksgiving turkey. That's kind of like what's going on here. And hundred percent good, bad, all the way. Wonderful. Uh, now that we got through that, Derek, a couple of slapped it with a couple of good bads. Uh, it's time to move into a little segment that we call cage, cage match. This is my favorite. Ding ding. Derek, I just linked you to our list. Um, I'm going to read it over really quickly. As it stands right now, our ranking from best Nicholas, best contemporary Nicholas Cage movie to worst contemporary Nicholas Cage movie is Mandy, Joe, Bad Lieutenant, Doggy Dog, The Frozen Ground, National Treasure 2, Stolen, Kill Chain, Outcast, Ghost Rider, Primal, Pay the Ghost, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and Knowing. Okay, so this is tough because like certain aspects of these movies 100% have it over on this. Like Ghost Rider, while I didn't like it, I believe sticks to its guns and is one mm. cohesive story that makes sense, even if I don't That's like true. the story, like way better than this movie. Like it was handled, it was managed. That's kind of what it is. It's almost not even so much artistic direction. It's like you just got to manage making this damn movie. And something true. like Ghost Rider does it well. Um but that's oh, really man, that's a tough list. argument. Yeah, that's a tough argument against a lot of these because a lot of these are more coherent films, more complete films, um, one, and less just messy. One thing that this movie has going for it is that the Cage performance is is great and fun, and top notch. You get a if little. If we were rating solely on Cage performance, I would argue that this is this could break the top five, top six. Um, but as a film, I don't think it's quite that high. Uh, it's definitely under frozen ground. I'm just, just kind of throwing that out there. I think that's, I that's a ceiling that. that it's not going to hit past. I, I agree. I think it's much lower than that. I think it is outcast ish outcast ghostwriter primal Ooh, under much, I, I, well under kill chain. Oh, you know what? I you know what I liked this. I did like this movie more. You know what? It's so hard because they just shot themselves in the foot at the end. It's insane. They did. Like it, it's it's always it's difficult to know how much because the highs of this movie are a lot higher than anything in Outcast. But it, you, right. you know what? I, I think agree. We, we we go. It, we're the only ones in charge here. Right. I think we go with our guts. We follow our hearts. I think that. Um, Cage performance alone, I would feel comfortable putting this above stolen. That's my gut right now, but I think we need to explore just a, just a little bit more because okay, that's let's, a yeah, big. Let's talk about that. Like, um, let's talk about some of those movies and the reason why we might stack this like one up. Over we it. know the middle ground is the hardest, and this is literally right in the middle of the middle ground. If we put it above it stolen. It's such a weird thing because as a film, it's so, so unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that Cage performance is great. I um, think Book of Secrets has a lot of the same problems where it has like a strange, unrealized, not so cohesive like plot line that th puts it and through. And Book of Secrets, dear listener, of course, is the subtitle for National Treasure 2. Yeah, the sequel, National Treasure 2. So I think it has those issues as well as some issues yeah. with the characters. But... 
it doesn't have them quite as bad, although it's tough because kill chain are we like say that it's very film school right that whole episode we're like oh it's it's not like disciplined filmmaking and it's like this movie is much more of a mess in a lot of ways like they don't stick the landing just like kill chain but why is it not film school you know because it go on it's not film school because it's yeah the thing about kill chain specifically was, was we said it is the best film school final project that you could possibly put yeah. out yeah You'd this be so proud. is the worst movie made by people who have been making movies professionally for mm, some time now like a you mismanaged know, group of professionals yeah like they blew it like you can t- you can feel watching this you could feel the people in the editing room being like we don't have what the fuck are we gonna yeah, do like yeah. we don't have shit to end this movie like, on. like how many bins of like creepy doll b-roll do we have and why do we have it <laughs> right yeah so I, I and i but the thing is it's like they're all oh, on a payroll it, and it's almost like the boss's fault whereas like kill chain is like the heart and soul of a group of people um yeah so, i will say the the cage performance infinitely more interesting and watchable than yes. the performance in Kill Chain. Yes. Kill Chain pretty forgettable. Um, so, stolen a fun cage performance. Stolen, you get a fun cage performance. You there. kind of watch are kind of filling the same role. Like Stolen and Grand Isle give you the same thing. It's not a great movie, but you get a lot of mm-hmm. fun popcorn sleepover cage movie from it. Like when I tell people I do this podcast. I think they kind of assume every movie is stolen or this, basically. Yeah, um, I agree. So they're they're similar in that respect. Um, I mean, what about because stolen is more cohesive, like it has the popcorn things. But I like was the cage performance all that great in stolen? I think no. It, it's pretty traditional, like action movie cage, where it, you know, not that different from him. In, and I guess we haven't seen a ton of this, like looking through all of these, but like not that dissimilar from him in National Treasure, big budget, mm-hmm. like popcorn action movie where he is playing someone who is likable, someone who's charismatic. He's a classic Nick Cage action movie leading man, uh, similar to uh, The Rock you know uh that sort of like energy where it's like oh i just like this guy i'm rooting for this guy easy it's good but it's not it's something that we've seen a lot of whereas this is something pretty unique Mm -hmm. is is more in line with the later gruffer more um you know more soulful cage um i I just i like how he i like how he like talks shit in this movie Mm -hmm. too there's like a real natural like cadence to the way that he's clowning on this guy when he first meets him when the kid comes to his house and they're negotiating the price of the the fence um the just his candor and like it feels similar to the energy of bad lieutenant but like very very different and similar to the and and but like it's a gruffer more sullen uh, i I think we've hit upon this before dave like how much yeah. does the cage performance alone swing carry it you yeah. know like or or is it the movie or do we have to consider both strictly both like because like i said ghost rider i think overall may be a more well put together movie but it's too below you know kill chain you know you know what i think that's exactly the question that needed to be asked we this is a list of 
Nicolas Cage films. Mm -hmm. That is the reason you are coming to these films. I'm sure that for Outcast, which Nick is not in that much, we bumped it down a little bit. For Kill Chain also, we're like, oh, he's not here that much. This is like a solidly made movie. It can get up there, but this isn't, if if we if the mission statement of this of this podcast is that we are finding and drawing attention to the best Nicolas Cage performances and best Nicolas Cage films uh, and quintessential like out, Cage, right? Quintessential Cage. This to me then is at least above stolen. At least above stolen. At least above stolen. Maybe above National Treasure. National Treasure is a tough one because it is so intrinsically a Cage film. That's a Cage. That's the most well-known Cage franchise. My gut tells me it's below National Treasure just because, like, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying in between, in between National Treasure and Above Stolen. So, I agree. Um, It's definitely above Outcast. Kill Chain was good, but he shines more in this than Kill Chain, 100%. Definitely. So it's either right under Stolen or right above Stolen. Um, and you're saying above I'd be, Stolen? I'd be comfortable in that. I don't know. Maybe that is recency bias. Stolen was an early movie for us. Yeah. It's definitely a better movie. You know what? I feel? I would feel good about putting it below Stolen. Above, Just above Kill Chain. Just, just above Stolen. Kill Chain. Yeah, it's tough because like <laughs> the people, if anybody who worked on Kill Chain or cares about Kill Chain, listen to us, they'd be tearing their fucking hair out. They're like, we're out here talking about how much of a mess this fucking thing is and how it doesn't make any sense and incomprehensible. But, you know, Kill Chain, you're so film school and this is better than your movie. <laughs> I mean, make them make a more engaging movie that the whole thing about it was like it was it was film school where you can kind of be like oh, this is like very impressive but i can kind of like i'm getting bored kind that's of that's true you know? and this one held my attention a lot not, the yeah. the cage performance was better it held my attention more it's it's fucked up the landing more than kill chain but kill chain did not land well it was also pretty incomprehensible so with yep. everything considered we're locking it in it's above kill chain and then is it above stolen or under stolen? I'm going to put it below stolen. Below stolen. I still think stolen. It, it yeah, would be, I, I like that. Yeah, stolen, is, stolen has solid Nick Cage performance and a solid sort of like... It doesn't have as many uh, holes in the boat action as this thing does yep. while serving the same purpose. But right next right. to it and right below it. I love it. Perfect. We did it. Uh, I feel so good about that. Okay, Mandy, Joe, Bad Lieutenant, Dog Eat Dog, The Frozen Ground, National Treasure, Stolen, Grand Isle, Kill Chain, Outcast, Ghost Rider, Primal, Pay the Ghost, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and at the bottom of the barrel, Knowing. <laughs> I don't know why I have this weird post-mortem appreciation for Pay the Ghost. Like, it's like a, a sweet kid who just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Derek always sort of, like, sighs wistfully when I put, when I say Pay the Ghost that low. Maybe I just, like, have good memories of like watching a bad movie with you or something but i also want to say i think i've said this before derek's personal list joe's above mandy i just kind of have to like put that out there after a little asterisk (laughs) um i will say uh we've probably talked about we probably talked about this in the pay the ghost episode i do remember derek is derek is a bit of a rascal sometimes and uh i was very anxious there was a a very tense scene where I think Nick was or Nick's kid was like approaching a mom on a bed in the middle of the night who was sort of like st- staring 
uh, out of a window with her back facing the camera. And uh, <laughs> during that scene, Derek grabbed my leg and screamed <laughs> and <laughs> scared me so, so badly. <laughs> scarier than anything else in that movie maybe but that's, yeah, Faith the Ghost that's was why fun. i mean well because you know part that's of why you like it so much part of like contemporary cage is the fact that we're watching some bad movies you know like that's that's why people tune mm-hmm. in you know it's like part of it is the fun uh, like we've been kind of spoiled in season two a lot of the movies are in in like the upper half but like that's true part of doing this podcast and why it's fun is like the torture of watching these like terrible nick cage movies and there's a little Absolutely. bit of like fun fun to that yeah i feel like grand isle is exactly the spirit uh of the show like it, and it is exactly in the middle of our rating right now um, okay can we do a quick but, segment can we do a quick segment dave can I do a oh, new segment? Derek brought Derek brought a segment for the class. Okay, Launch so it, baby, um, I forget what we're gonna call it. I think it's like uh, like so speaks the cage nash. I think maybe <gasps> so says the Let's cage nash. Okay, so what I have for you today, um, I've alluded to this before, but I, I find it very strange that uh, I was surprised. Well, I won't say strange that um, there are so many reviews to Nick Cage movies that you have to buy. You have to pay money to rent or purchase yeah. digitally, and you have to kind of dig to find them in the first place. And with all, and you have to rent them to submit a review, also. Correct. So we know that these are legit. That this is legit. This is a real review, and you know we have a lot to say. You guys kind of understand where we're coming from, whether you agree with us or not. Like I feel like we've kind of established who we are and what we value in a lot of ways. So. I wanted to kind of like put on blast, not on blast. I wanted to give a platform to um, Cage Nash. Um, I saw a particular review of this movie and I wanted to kind of read it on air so that people can hear, you know, someone else's opinion besides us blabbing on all all day. So um, before I read this, um, I think the guy's name was uh, uh, Kevin. Um, he he bought this movie. Let's hear from Kev Man and Cage Nash. Cage Nash, you're on Cage Nash. So uh, before I begin, the guy, the kid that we always refer to, the hunky kid, his name is Buddy. So when he when he says Buddy, okay. So yes. uh, let me just read this exactly as it's written, and we can kind of um, get another perspective from Cage Nash. All I can say is praise the Cage, a true classic above all else. When they let Buddy in. I thought he was cool until I found out about his secret that he's a murderer. What? But he but he's cool. Anyway, I was shocked by the movie the whole way through. But that didn't stop me from loving every second. Nicolas Cage is once again back for the best. Kelsey Grammer is cool. I like detective characters. I read Sherlock. <laughs> I, I brought my little cousin Andrew to the movie. <laughs> he fell asleep. I was angry at him because he was missing the movie. What a jerk. Nicolas Cage put a lot of work into his role, and that's how you're going to treat him? The house is a cool house. Too bad it was damaged by a hurricane. Now, now it's only a good house. <laughs> I think the movie is called Grand Isle because the movie is grand. Haha, ha, made myself laugh there. Anyway, go see the flick. You will not regret it. Ten, yeah. 
BT Beautiful. Dub. BT Dub. What do you think the next Nicolas Cage is going to star in? I bet it's a movie <laughs> about wolves. Who can really tell, honestly? Ha ha. And that's from Kevin. And that's his review. Um, I will say... That's so fucking good. I will say, he has a good point about why the hell's... Like, the movie, I guess, is set in Grand Isle, but, like, the name of a movie... Yeah, I'm it all, doesn't factor in. No, I'm all about the name of a movie being, like, a main part. Like, I love... I don't know why I get my jollies off about this, but, like, Mandy being called Mandy or like even mm. like Frozen is a reference to the climactic event at the end like the name of the movie kind of being unexpected yet inevitable and is like a mainstay mm. of something very important and Grand yeah. Isle like there's not a single word of dialogue or a sign or anything it's not referenced yeah there's no sense of place outside of the house uh so good job, Kevin, was, on really bringing Kevin, out that. great review. Love that, hearing that from Cage really, Nash. Love hearing from you really guys. That was really good. I liked, hearing, I liked hearing that a lot. We like hearing from you. Um, yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, Derek, I'm, I'm going to say the piece of news that I was going to have, that I was going to use today mm-hmm. uh, is actually going to come up in our next episode anyway. So I'm going to skip okay. that. Okay. I think your final segment uh, dispatches from the Cage Nation. Cage Nation is the perfect capper for this episode. Uh, dispatches from the Cage Nation. But also, wait. So he took. Was the, did this movie get a theatrical release? I. Where he's I Kevin? Yeah, he brought. Well, no, maybe he just brought him to the movie, as uh, in like to sure. where he was watching it. He was supposed to be babysitting, and he put on this very horny cuckold <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> for his seven-year-old nephew yeah uh, boy um hey he well, reads he reads sherlock so he's a man of uh, <laughs> this guy literature. reads sherlock <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so so good i also like that the, uh, we didn't talk about this but uh the character of buddy he ends up lying about this war story and nick is like goading him the whole time he's like you you've got something in your yeah. past that you're not Tell telling me what me. really happened and then soldier he eventually soldier he said he tells this story, this falsified version of the story, where he's like dragging a friend uh, out of uh, a burning ship, um, and then he eventually admits while Nick is like holding him at gunpoint in the final scene of this movie, or like the, the climactic scene of the movie. Uh, he's like, "I no, I saw him. He was on fire. I didn't drag him." And I ran away. I, I was scared. It, you coward. Uh, I do like that this was enough. I, I just imagine this this guy just being like very reactive to the whole thing. He's like, no, buddy, I like buddy. No, <laughs> buddy was just cool. Like, <laughs> That's why he says. I, when they let you in, I thought you were cool. Buddy. I thought he was cool. Yeah, but of course he was not. I also just like that this guy, <laughs> he just has the exact intended reaction to every character. He's like, <laughs> okay, well, it looks like there's a bit of a little more to this guy than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my man. Hey, well, it's the uh, Cage Nation, and I will not have you speaking um, I'm sorry, anything no, but this positive is a, about the Cage Nation. One of our great critics. What's his uh, username? Does he have a username? Uh, let me Kevin? see. I think. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I have it up right here. Oh, no. You know what? That was the wrong one. His he name was is Kevin, right? His, no, no, no. His name is Lucas Midacre. Oh, good thing I asked. Lucas 
mid anchor. Okay, well, we don't want to dox him if it's no, no. L U C A S M I D E A K E R. Look up Grand Isle. He's the first review. Seven people found his review helpful because um, everybody else I mean, gave uh, it one star. It's helpful to me. Gave me some content for my podcast. And honestly, uh, it's 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 barely better written than the actual summary of the movie it's just two lines long yeah on google it says walter and his neglected wife lure a young stranger into their victorian home to escape from a hurricane that does not make sense because that's not true they are what happens the way that sentence is written is that walter and his wife did something in order to escape a hurricane that's not true what they're trying to express is that they lured a stranger into their house, and he stayed because he had to escape from a hurricane. And this is on Google, guys. This is on Google. And that just goes to show you, you can't trust everything you see online. Do oh, your, can I share an anecdote really quick? Yeah, yeah. Do your bibliographies, kids. Go ahead with the anecdote. So um, Kobe Bryant passed away, of course. No. Uh, this is Don't this is laugh right after you say that, you son I'm of a not, bitch. I'm not. It, it, we're, of course, it's very tragic. I live in L.A., as uh, I, I live in around LA, the so city, I, I really, really it was just me you personally. see. Well, the reason the reason that I I mean You're I a piece of work you personal know I'm personally you know I'm not going to get into it. The only reason I bring this up, I went to uh, a diner to get some breakfast uh, on the day where he had his funeral, which was just a few days ago, as of the, as of the time of the recording. And this older woman was like seating me, and she's like. Uh, you want us to be able to see the TV? And I was like, oh, sure. Uh, and then she's like, oh, so you can watch all the fake news? And then she <laughs> turned around and saw that it was the funeral. Of Kobe? <laughs> being televised of Kobe. And just Beyonce's there performing like Halo and people are just, cry- everyone's crying. And then she's like, well, this is actually, oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was giving you a hard time about Kobe. I've had a few at this point. Uh, No, it's okay. Us just uh, talking about... That is hilarious. uh, Not being able to trust the internet. Just just this woman trying to make a joke, and then it just... And obviously, I'm like, it's fine, lady. I get it. I get it. But she was so mortified immediately as soon as she saw what was on TV. Um, (laughs) But that'll do it for us, Cage Nation. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, well this is this is this is nice <laughs> we'll see you next week next week guys just to preview what Ooh, we've got going something on special, and a little, I little something use different. the word preview very very uh, intentionally we're not going to be watching a film next week we're going to be talking about several films that's right we're going to be doing a preview of all of the movies that Nick Cage currently has in uh, pre post production the movies that are coming down the pipeline that we as members of, of Cage Nation, will eventually be able to enjoy. We're going to give a preview of each of these, talk about them a little bit, and then Derek and I are going to give our top three most anticipated mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage movies. Coming around the So band. that's what we got looking mm-hmm. for, uh, look to look forward to now, next week, guys. I just, before we, like, are we going to count that one, uh, that where he's, like, playing himself in the future and past? Because I feel like that's obviously number one. I think we got to include it. There's an, there's enough, and then maybe we'll do a top five. Okay. Maybe top okay. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, how about but, uh, how about we knows? do the top five? There's some good ones. Derek. We do the top five, 
before we record, talk about all of them, and then present to each other the top five that we uh, have. Each of our... Yeah. Uh, uh, David's top oh, five like and Derek's top five. Perfect. I love it. Okay. And we got a little homework. Um, awesome. All right. We'll see you later, Cage Nation. We'll see you for the top five. And I know Lucas uh, Walter... Wait a second. His name is Lucas Midiacre. Look him up. He's... He is Cage Nash. He lives at uh, 1435 Walton Drive in in Charlottesville, North Carolina, and you can send him some mail, show up at his house, <laughs> say thank you for that great Cage review, and I hope that your little cousin Andrew uh, gets to watch a movie that he likes next time. Yeah, put on the crudes. <laughs>